This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And good afternoon. We are here with the prologue. We are coming to you today from the Blue Ribbon Grill in Tucker, Georgia. we got a little crowd here. We've been having a great time this afternoon speaking with Emory Jones, among others, George Crowley, Nancy Hansen. We've had a real good time this afternoon just talking and sharing stories about Ludlow Porch. Uh, Emory, speak up for us there. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Doug. I appreciate you having me having me uh, here today. Am I doing something wrong? Just get right on top of it. There. Okay. That's good. Now hey, I can you. hear it now. This works. There you go. Now you can, you can hear it. I'm, I'm a professional. Can't there you speak. go. There you go. Emory is the one who is responsible for this thing. And as I wanted to say a lot while ago, if you enjoyed the event, if you enjoy this show, let me know. If you don't, let him know. Because he's really the reason that we're doing this. That's right. I had the pleasure of meeting him and interviewing Emory over his book, The Valley Where They Danced. And you can look at that through the archives. Uh wonderful book about the North Georgia mountains, Sautee Valley and the Hoochie Valley. Uh, and we got to talking as we were getting to know each other and talking about where I lived as opposed to where Emily lives up on Mount Yona. And uh, it turns out that he was a friend of Ludlow Porch. And that came about because we live down here in the Tucker area and my wife and I come to the Blue Ribbon Grill quite often. Uh, folks who are not aware of uh, Ludlow with a partner named Paul uh, Sketchy. Uh, I right. just butchered his name, and I'll look it up and fix it. But anyway, Ludlow was an owner of the Blue Ribbon Grill uh, for several years, starting back around 1985. And uh, so this this place is Ludlow's place, and a lot of the recipes are attributed to him. Some's true, some's made up stories. But anyway, we were able to get to talking about that and the fact that Emery actually knew Ludlow was a good friend of his. Wrote a book with him. And that book is called Zipping Through Georgia. On a goat-powered time machine with Ludlow Porch and a parrot named Pete. And a parrot named Pete. Now, that, that's that got to be a Ludlow Porch book. It's, it sets the world's record for the number of P's in the title. <laughs> Very good. That is, that is true. Tell us a little bit about the uh, goat-powered time machine. Well, the goat-powered time machine is actually designed by Ludlow. Ludlow, I, I had the idea for this book about going back into history and looking at Georgia history. Uh, you know, through actually going and seeing it in, in, in 1922 or 1733 or whatever time we wanted to, not just restrict ourselves to the present day. So I went over to Ludlow and I asked him, uh, I said, Ludlow, I'm going to do this book about a time machine, but I have no idea what a time machine looks like. Can you help me out there? And he said, give me a week. So a week later I went back and Ludlow had, had the dimensions drawn out of a time machine, all, all the, uh, the, the way that it worked and that. <laughs> How a time machine looked, and if you don't know, it's basically pretty simple. It's uh, two John boats turned upside down on four-seater posts, and it has uh, it's powered by a goat running on a treadmill, and the goat gets the treadmill up to white max warp, which is three miles per hour. <laughs> and there's a bad bearing in the in the treadmill that squeaks. The parrot sits on Ludlow's shoulder, and he rocks to make it squawk to coordinate the timing with the squeak, and the squeak and the squawk triangulate on the Barentine bevel. Now, one important feature of the time machine that, that a lot of people don't include on their time machine models, but Ludlow was, was he had enough foresight to do this, is a little ovulating fan. Now, a little ovulating fan is very important. It blows away the, the pixie dust. It, it ovulates quite a bit. And um, it's important to note that, that a regular male oscillating fan will not work. This has got to be the, the female ovulating person. Right. It's not going to ovulate. Right. Gotcha. It's very, but Ludlow figured that out. 
a lot of people you know stumble over that little spot. And he also had the four ply cyclosphere bubble applied around the time machine. And a lot of people will use the two ply cyclosphere bubble, and you will get a rip in the panel. It's just I wouldn't tra- I would not travel. You gotta have the four ply. Absolutely. Okay. So that's been done. But Ludlow designed that. We made it. We actually have a real life size model that we made. We tried it out. You may not believe it, but it's true. And uh, the goat was named Grady. Uh, the way the goat got its name, he went to a goat sale, and he bought a goat. He brought it home, and it had a little tag around its neck that said Grade E. Uh, he found out later that goats are graded A through E, and uh, Grady was a grade E. But by then, Nancy had already fallen in love with a goat and thought it was. she thought that he had bought it for her to keep the garden you know, free of weeds and and the rest is history with Grady. He became a pet. So now, where did you guys travel with the time machine? Well, we started. He wanted to go back to 1733 to see. Uh, he, he was really looking to meet Oglethorpe because, as a lot of people don't realize, that Oglethorpe was going to name the town of Savannah, Eleanor Rugbyville. <laughs> he was named it after his his mother and his favorite sport in high school. Well. We had to go back and change it. That was the reason that Ludlow built the time machine. He didn't tell me until I was already on board and it was too late. But we had to go back, and it's very difficult to change history in a, in a time machine because you can't communicate through that cyclosphere bubble. Absolutely. You can get, you can kind of travel with thought energy, but that's about it. So we were quite fortunate to get back there and, <clears throat> and land in 1733 and finally get uh, the word to, to uh, Oglethorpe that Savannah was a better name. But in the process of getting there... We landed on top of Stone Mountain accidentally in 1922. Missed Savannah by that much. Missed just that far. Okay. Then uh, the hobnob was not quite working the way it should have been working, and the next time we tried, we, we lifted off the ovulating fan stuck in the in the in the off position, and so we wound up at Barnsley Gardens during the Civil War, and um, so that you know I mean it was right that you know that colonel that's buried out in the. In the yard there at the right. garden, we actually saw him being chased down, and and we didn't see the actual shooting, but we heard the shots. They ran right through the time machine, which was new because we didn't know what would happen when somebody tried to walk through it. But it turns out they can. It was no no problem. Molecular structure was fine. Then we went on, and we Ludlow. Uh, I'm, he claimed that this was accidental, but I began to kind of believe that maybe he knew more about what he was doing, driving that thing, than he let on. We went down to Urbanville, Georgia, and we saw Jefferson Davis get captured. Ah. Ludlow, you know, there was rumors in the northern papers that uh, he was wearing a dress when he was captured. <laughs> and uh, it's because he had borrowed his wife's shawl and was trying to sneak out away from the for the people, the soldiers. But he was not wearing a dress, and we proved that. That made Ludlow very happy. Then we left there, and we went to... Uh, Back, actually went up in uh, just outside of Helen, Georgia, in White County, and we saw people setting out kudzu, and uh, Ludlow just couldn't take that. He, but he, we, we couldn't stop. Should have nipped that in the bud. Right we there. tried our best to stop kudzu, and then from there we went over to Royston, Georgia, in 1955, and saw the Goat Man. And what was interesting about that was because I was actually there in 1955 in Royston, and I saw myself on the other side of the the uh, cyclosphere bubble. You're a brave man. That's dangerous to do that. Isn't I know. It's it's not. It's I didn't want my younger self to see me because I didn't want me to know how I turned out. Scaring to death. Oh, it? awful. <laughs> but I tried my best to get some, you know, word to him to buy Microsoft stock, mm-hmm. some Home Depot stock. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. You know. Thank goodness we were able to do Savannah, but I couldn't get 
five-year-old me to, to make any decent investments. Well, now, it sounds to me like maybe Ludlow has had some experience with his time travel. I think he had. Ludlow started out, he uh, found out later, I didn't know this, but he was early on infatuated with hot air ballooning. He made his first uh, hot air balloon out of uh, recycled uh, sandwich bags. Oh. It, was, it was a science project that he had done in, uh, I think it was the third grade. He was nine years old. And the balloon actually went up to a, a height of seven feet. And uh, when Ludlow, when he got over his injuries, he uh, built a second time machine. Later on, he went on, and, and I think this was the third one when he was 27. He entered the, the first Helen to, to a Homer hot air balloon race. He would have won it. He came in third. He would have won, but he got his basket caught on that observation tower up at Brass Dam Ball. And it just, you know, it held him up quite a bit. Uh, so that, you know, that's how he kind of got started. He, he decided that time travel was so much safer than hot air balloon. Now, this is entirely documented in your book. Uh, Absolutely. And, folks, where can they find that book? The book is online on Amazon. Uh, you can buy the Zipping Through Georgia book at, at any good, decent uh, time machine store that you enter. They all had it. Uh, in fact, it's been a model for a lot of time machine, other time machine models. But, but I think the best place to get it is Amazon. There's stores in North Georgia that carry the book too. Uh, there's a store in Cleveland, Georgia called Yona Mountain Treasures that has it. But uh, Amazon's probably your best bet. Very good. Well, listen, we are so proud to have you here with us today. And again, folks, if you enjoy this broadcast, if you enjoy the get-together we had for Ludlow Porch, I want you to write me. If you didn't, I want you to be sure to contact Emory Jones. That's right. Okay? All right. Thank you, Emory. Appreciate you being here, Thank you, Doug. And that was Mr. Emory Jones. And we have got another wacko who has come in here to talk with us. This is John from Decatur. John, good afternoon, sir. How are you doing? Good afternoon. How you doing? Tell us what your association with Ludlow Porch was. Well, it starts a long way back. Uh, I would say in the early 70s, uh, I began to listen to Ludlow on uh, WSB, I think. I think he was in Brookhaven and WSB there. I, I can't remember all of this, but but I followed him all the way through his his radio career, everywhere he went, I, I would find him and listen to him. So I did listen to him all to the very end, just about to the very end. There in 2011. Now, you were what they call a wacko. Tell us real quick, what was a wacko? Well, a wacko was a, a, a different people that had that have a name. Uh, his mom was Big John from Decatur, the tomato man. And we'd have them such as, uh, I don't, I can't, I can't remember them, but uh, like they'd, uh, they'd have a name like, uh, well, let me, I was trying to think of one now, just to, <laughs> but there's so many of them. Another one of the wackos? Yeah. So that, that, there's uh, too many to remember. There's really. too many to remember. But uh, one of them was it had to drink. Uh, Clyde the drunk. Uh, yeah. Well, and if one it had to, uh, he, when you saw her, she had a a drink. Uh, oh, Bloody Mary with a with a uh, yeah with Bloody Mary. Okay. So, and uh, of course she she died quite quite a few years ago. And right. Then, and I was telling some one there a while ago. My sister was uh, she passed away last last week. And uh, 
uh, was, uh, Nancy and Ludlow lived near them uh, in next door neighbor in in uh, Fayetteville, Georgia. Right. And uh, she was named White Robin. And then uh, there was. Oh, just I could. Well, now you you called in. You were John from Decatur. And what, John from Decatur. And what is it you talked to him about? Well, we talked about uh, mostly about raising tomatoes. Raising he, tomatoes, excellent. Because he was uh, he he loved them tomatoes, and I would I love to raise tomatoes. And uh, Nancy would gave me a recipe of tomato uh, pie, and I I've, I got it. I was telling someone a while ago. I had posted on my refrigerator right now. This original thing that Nancy sent me years ago, and it's on my refrigerator. Outstanding. We're going to have to get ready here to take a break in just a couple of seconds. Okay. John, I thank you for coming out today to the I, Blue Ribbon. I've enjoyed it. I, I live right close here, and I said, I'm going to go to Nancy if I can see some tomato wackos. And I, I did. I saw some. And, and you found us. I found y'all. Found Excellent. Y'all. Appreciate you stopping by. I appreciate you having me, and I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. John from Decatur. Thank you, sir. All right, sir. Folks, we are going to take a short break, and we're going to be back with more from the Blue Ribbon Grill in Tucker, Georgia, after these messages. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we are back. We're here. This is the prologue on America's Web Radio. My name is Doug Dahlgren, and this afternoon we're at the Blue Ribbon Grill in Tucker, Georgia. We're having a good time on a time machine built by Ludlow Porch and Emory Jones. And we're here. We've got a very special guest. Mr. Denny Ainsworth was a producer and a most trusted friend of Ludlow Porch for probably 25, maybe 30 years. Followed him around through different stations, and we are so proud that Denny took his time to come in here and be with us this afternoon. Denny, how are you, sir? 
being thought of special is unusual. Well, you well, know, I've been thought of special in other ways many times <laughs> over my life. I have heard that. I, uh, I said a while ago, and I'll repeat it, something that I found in researching you guys that was in there more than once was how much... Uh, Ludlow trusted you and in fact the way they put it was that uh, whatever it was going on as far as the radio show business if Denny didn't approve of it it didn't happen and that's pretty strong yeah it is you know there's something special about that relationship though because we fully trusted each other I mean Lud was the most genuinely honest and kind and absolutely the funniest human being I've ever met much less worked with but uh, he was so well respected by everyone, and his attitude that he just displayed on the radio was what he did in real life. And there were a lot of things we would do um, off the air that, you know, you couldn't really repeat, but that's part of what made it fun for us. But, you know, as far as the trust thing, I think it's because it went both ways. Oh, it had to. I mean, putting on a show like that, and and he was such a natural talent. Oh yeah, you can't tr- you can't teach anybody to do what he did. No, no, and you know that's one of the reasons that I only did the show for a couple of years after he had to give it up was because I think a lot of people expected it to still be the Ludlow Port show, and, and there is no Ludlow Port show without Ludlow doing it. Exactly. You know, we had George and me, and thank goodness for George, we were. Carrying it on for what we could, but it's just no way to. I never tried to replicate it because I learned one thing from Ludlow early on to um, be honest with yourself and be honest with the listeners because they, they, they recognize that. You know, you can tell a person who is putting on a false sense of um, trying to be someone else's personality, they come across as a fake, as a politician. And it's easy to read. I mean, anybody who has ears that can hear can tell that from many of today's talk radio hosts. Which, you know, that was one great thing about Ludlow is that he would talk about politics sometimes. And he was a staunch conservative. He said that Rush Limbaugh was somewhere to the left of him. <laughs> and said, I'm paying for a highway somewhere in Washington State. I'll never drive on. But... Um, yeah, whenever we did get into politics, he always referred to the liberals as the bubble-headed liberals. But we tried to stay away from it because half of your audience has already got their mind made up, for one thing. Absolutely. It's just like if you're sort of talking about gun control and abortion and gay rights or whatever. There's a group of each one of those that have their mind made up already. And that two-way art of conversation that Ludlow tried to carry on his entire career is already vanished because you're not going to have a two-way conversation. You're going to have two people stating their case and not listening to what the other one says. And one great thing that Ludlow was able to do the entire time I knew him, he was a great listener. He would listen to what the caller said and respond appropriately to it. And, you know, 98% of the time it was, you know, always respecting for the caller as long as they respected him. But we had a few idiots that we called in sometimes. And they stood out to the listeners. So it was easy to tell whenever he got on them. 
Because he would, he wouldn't, he often said, sometimes people mistake kindness for weakness. And there was no way in the world that other poets would ever be considered a weak man. Oh, no. I mean, he, uh, he, he carried on a, um, he carried on a, a grudge with a varsity, probably the most well-known drive, there was the largest drive everybody knows of varsity. Uh, he was and mad at he was, he was mad. He was mad at the varsity for changing the kind of cheese they used. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he really showed that on for years. And he finally showed back up one day to give him another chance. And they had his picture on the wall. <laughs> Somebody said I had to ask you about it. Because, uh, you know, in digging up on him, it was almost like trying to ask people about Billy Graham. Nobody had anything bad to say about yeah. Ludlow Porch. Yeah. But uh, I teased out here a while ago before you got here today that uh, I did have a call from Lee Majors, but I didn't pick up because I heard there was some history there. <laughs> what is the Lee Majors story? Ludlow told, told me about it. That's before I was working with him. It either before or after I first worked with him, because I worked with him for a couple of years at uh, WCNN, which was trying to resurrect the old ring radio, which Atlanta listeners would be familiar with back from many years ago. But I did not grow up with ring radio, so I wasn't really familiar with it. But it was easy to read what he was wanting to, to do when he tried to replicate it. But he may have been back at WSB at that time. And I was still at the other station when they did when that Lee Majors fiasco happened. But it happened, I think, at Carly Square or some hotel where they would go every uh, once a week or something. Or they, I don't know how often they did it. Now, but little I heard was that he actually chased him down. He didn't really yeah. make a deal over the air with it. But yeah. that he got off the air and he, put yeah. his headphones down and went out and chased him that's, down. That's what I heard, too. I mean... You gotta remember, he was a former Marine, yep. and also a Gold Gloves boxer. But that didn't come across in his presentation at all. He was a kind, generous, uh, good-hearted soul. But there was, if you, if you push something hard enough, it will fall over. Yes. And he's gonna fall on you. <laughs> but that was very, very, that didn't happen very often. But yeah, that really major thing, I've heard the stories about their witnesses. Well, like I said, we'll, we'll figure it out someday. Yeah. All the different wackos, the different personalities. I mean, there's too many to even try to, to list. Uh, there's an early book that's sitting behind us here that's got three and four pages, single spaced, of just names. And that was early in the career. Yeah, I think that was his first book, yeah. How did you guys pick who was right to go on the show? <laughs> Most people we get through. According to what it was in the, when the, in the history of the program, there was a time that you had to kind of limit, I mean, it wasn't like today, uh, 15 or 20 or 30 seconds for a toddler, but in those days, they tried to keep it at around two minutes unless it was someone, one of the regular character wackos who had prepared bits that they could work off of and make it entertaining. But uh, some of them, you didn't have a, it was a no-brainer. So, yeah, this guy's going to be funny. You know, and you know when to put him in, you know, part of what George and I would do was, like, space where these cars went to where you have, like, a certain flow of the entertainment value. And, and you can kind of read sometimes 
The word time we highly screened a corridor. Uh, we highly did it. But at WSB, we were forced into it and to, to the point of being mean and, and feeling bad about it. Because did you have a delay? Certain people, they had, they had a thing against age. No, I mean, did you have a delay button? Or, or oh, was yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. We had so. six and a half second delay. But, oh, okay. But we weren't afraid of anybody cussing or whatever they did. We just drop them off the air and delete it. Nobody would ever hear it. Right. But, you know, it was, it was probably easier to show it to, to you know, explain of anything. I mean, I've worked with some people, well, a couple of people that you had to be very careful because they were always talking about politics. <laughs> or about well, mentioned earlier, gays in the military or gun control. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did try to stay away from that because that was being oh, yeah. covered on the other stations. Yeah, everybody else yeah. is doing that. So I, I've described some of them as being the angry white guy. Yeah. yeah, it's true. No, no matter what color they were, it's just a way it turns out that's what most of them are. But I'm not really trying to put down, you know, modern talk show hosts, so. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you, man. The audience but, today is different than what you told yeah. me, too. I think the audience today, well, I shouldn't go there. Well, but, I, can uh, tell, I can tell them that you're, you're a decent guy. You're not one of them people. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> I get to interview writers. That's that's I love it. Yeah. I love meeting people, meeting the writers, and, and interviewing. And then interesting folks like you and George. And I had made a promise to George I need to get him in here before he has to go because he's got some some canines that are looking for him, I think. But, uh, I, I've got leaves to go get up out of my yard. I've been laying there for two months. <laughs> but this, trade, will you? <laughs> this is great. We're going to have to do some more of this sometime. We have to, yeah. Because you guys are just tremendous. The memories you've got, the stories you've got to tell. And, uh, I mean, Ludlow Porch is an icon. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you're not going to be able to replace him. And we sure as hell don't want to forget no. about him. But just want to, we just want to remember him and... Live on our lives and doing what he always said about being nice to people. Yeah. Absolutely. Very good. Listen, Denny Ainsworth, thank you so much. I appreciate you showing up today. appreciate you coming on the air with us. And uh, I'm just really am glad I got to meet you. Appreciate it, Doug. All right, sir. Take care, man. Take care. I'm stepping away from the crowd noise for just a minute to be sure to thank our host for this great event today, the Blue Ribbon Grill. They're located at 4006 La Vista Road in Tucker, Georgia. Now, they're in the triangle. It's right between North Lake Mall and the Briarcliff Village Shopping Center. They're easy to find, and you'll be very delighted that you did. The management and ownership here, Mr. Artie Brown and Mr. Eddie Smite, have been tremendously supportive getting ready for this event and also during the event today, as have Ryan and the rest of the staff here at the Blue Ribbon Grill. You know, they've got a motto here that says, if you need to eat, they need the money. And they're very serious about that. They're proud of what they serve, and they're proud of how they serve it to you. So, folks, remember, Ludlow Porch was an owner here. He set the standards that are being maintained today by the great ownership here at the Blue Ribbon Grill. So we hope that you'll stop by and support this tremendous restaurant. We're going to take a break for just a couple of minutes, and we'll be back after these messages. This is Dr. George from Peachtree ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. 
At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you will be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed and all your questions will be answered. When possible, natural treatments will be recommended to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and medical director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. The Fun Seekers Radio Network. Hard-hitting, to-the-point talk radio. Politics is poly. Means two or many. And ticks is small, blood-sucking creatures. The Fun Seekers Radio Network, the only place on the radio dial for exclusive rooster stock tips. Uh, I've had some requests that please tell us some more of these stocks you don't think we should buy. If we have, should we should sell? Now, here they are, folks. This is the rooster. This is not me, so don't start blessing me out. This, this is a stock the rooster now, says the stocks that you should not buy or if you've got them, get rid of them. The Fun Seekers Radio Network, highly unique talk radio. My name is Doug Dahlgren. We're here with the prologue, and this comes under the interesting people category today. We're sitting here right now with Mr. George Crowley. Uh, George worked with Ludlow Porch for the better part of 14, maybe 15 years. He worked uh, pretty much cleanup hitter. Uh, whatever they needed. He was a producer. He did whatever was needed to be done. Uh, George, thank you for coming in today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Doug. I appreciate you inviting me and uh, uh, keeping Ludlow's name alive. Well, this has been fun. I've told the story already about meeting Emory and how this came about. Uh, tell us, how did you get to meet Ludlow Porch? Well, I met Ludlow Porch through Denny Ainsworth, but I was familiar with Ludlow Porch because uh, when I was uh, about 14 years old, my mother would be listening to Ludlow on ring radio. And being a little kid, uh, I I could tell they were having fun on the radio, but it was over my head. I'd occasionally, you know, hear Ludlow through the high school years uh, in the summertime when Mom was listening. And then, lo and behold, I got into radio late in life. I was probably 28. Most of the guys I know was, you know started when they were teenagers. Mm-hmm. I got in late and uh, worked in small market radio in Buford and Gainesville and Lawrenceville. And was working in Lawrenceville at the time. And my son had uh, signed up for T-ball. He was five years old. We went to the T-ball game, first T-ball game, and I recognized the name, the last name of one of his teammates was a guy that I knew at that time was working at the radio station in Buford where I used to work. So Denny and I became friends. And he was working um, 
at that time uh, in Buford. And over about a year, um, he had gone on to WSB, where he was Ludlow's producer. So Denny, uh, as our friendship grew, he asked me uh, to come down to WSB. They were always looking for board ops. And I told him, well, you're crazy. Uh, That's the big leagues, and I'm just a rookie. So I went down there. Finally, I relented. I went down there on a Sunday morning, and I I looked at the board, and I I just kind of laughed. I said, well, there's no way I'll learn that. It was massive. It was just massive. It just went on and on and on. I thought, okay, it'll never work. Well, I interviewed for the job, and and I got hired as the backup producer for the Ludlow Port Show. So, So fortunate. I mean, a guy with... Four years' experience in small market radio getting this opportunity. So I worked uh, for two years with Ludlow uh, down at WSB. Uh, then was uh, I had to move away for two years. Uh, came back. Uh, Denny and Ludlow rehired me as the backup producer in 1996 and uh, spent the next uh, 16 years with, with the network uh, till, till the end. So uh, just a, an absolute blast all, all, all that time. Uh, nothing... Nothing negative. You were sharing a story earlier before we got on the air. Tell us a little bit about uh, the lady that got upset. Oh, this was uh, – remotes were always fun because uh, Ludlow and, and Denny and their spouses would, would go on the road somewhere, and I'd be back in Atlanta producing. So we went to uh, Somerset, Kentucky, where we had an affiliate, and we were set up at Paul's Discount Store in Somerset. And we had a long-running uh, ruse on the network about uh, Abraham Lincoln being born in Somerset. It was kind of just because Somerset was our affiliate. We just, Ludlow, just flippantly said that Lincoln was born there. So uh, we, we kind of stayed with that joke for a long time. So they went up to Somerset for this, uh, this remote. And, of course, I'm screening the calls, and I get a call from a, a lady who is very upset. Uh, she heard Ludlow mention that uh, Lincoln was born in Somerset. And uh, so, I, again, I made sure that the tape was rolling. Wanted to wanted to save this, wanted to preserve this, because I knew this was going to be fun. And sure enough, she got on, uh, uh, we let her on, and she you know, lambasted Ludlow for saying that uh, Lincoln was born in Somerset, that he was born in Hodgenville, Kentucky. And she was very, very upset. And Ludlow quizzed her, asked her where she got her information. Well, she was pretty pretty ticked right there, and she said, out of the history books, out of the history books, where'd you get yours? And Ludlow said, I, I have it on good authority that uh, he was born uh, right here in Somerset, in fact, uh, uh, right here in the hardware department of Paul's Discount. And she didn't, she didn't hear him say that as she continued on being upset with Ludlow. Finally, uh, she ended the conversation by telling Ludlow to get his facts straight. Did you ever get the chance to let her off the hook? Did you tell her that well, it was a joke? Uh, Lud, uh, we, we hung up, and Lud started laughing, and he apologized to her. And I hope she was still listening. I hope she was still listening. Um, because I don't think she ever realized that we were that it was a joke. Well, this was a wacko that didn't realize she was a wacko. <laughs> I was talking to Denny a little bit ago about uh, how you guys were able to judge who would make a good wacko and who wouldn't. You had to make some pretty good split-second decisions there with people calling in. By the time I joined the program, I, you know, I, I knew who the regulars were. It didn't take long to figure out, okay, this guy's okay, I've heard him before. Uh, don't have to worry about it. Uh, most everybody, you know, was playing along. Uh, if if Ludlow had some sort of, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> ruse going on, uh, people would play along. But I, we really had a very, uh, especially later on, we had a very uh, lax screening process. 
Did you, we, we knew most of the people, and we just we put them on. Did you and Denny ever pretend? Did, did, were you like a Bob Carr for Gary McKee? <laughs> um, Denny didn't do any characters. I don't think he ever did any characters. Uh, we did some gag commercials together. I was a character. I, I was the sports director of the Fun Seekers Radio Network. Outstanding. And I did uh, a sports report uh, every Friday. And you were known as Ike Scotch. Ike Scotch. This is the first time I this, this, this is this is the first time I revealed that. My uh, alter ego, Ike Scotch. Yes, the uh, sports director of the Fun Seekers Radio Network. In fact, I, I made up some cards, some business cards. But uh, yeah, I, I loved Ike Scotch because. First of all, uh, sports these days, sports is my passion. The stories write themselves. There's, there's so many goofy stories out in the world of sports. I, I didn't have to make things up, but I could. And I, I occasionally would make up my own stories, which was, was great. But, you know, um, Led and Denny just would let me go on that. They, they would not review that. They would not uh, listen to it before it went on air. They trusted me. <laughs> now, when you were doing that, you were in the studio with them. Were you able to pull that off sitting there looking at him, or did you have to look the other way? Uh, rarely did I do it live. I, I usually recorded it recorded, it, recorded it before okay. the show okay. or, or earlier in the week. And then he would just play off of that. You did a, a straight sports report without yes. interaction. Okay. Yes. All right. And, folks, Scott, do you mind folks knowing what you do now? Oh, no, not at all. In fact, I encourage people, if you're a football fan, high school football fan, uh, I'm involved in high school football with uh, Flowery Branch over on the north side uh, of Atlanta in uh, Hall County. Right. I've been been with Flowery Branch for three years, and uh, I've been involved with high school football for 18 years. So uh, we are at FB. F is in Flowery. B is in Branch. FBbroadcasting.com, and we carry all their games, and then... We're also affiliated with the NFHS, which is like the ESPN of high school sports, and that's the uh, video portion of our broadcast. So we're actually audio and video. Uh, the video is a, uh, a subscription uh, that you have to pay for, but uh, we, we offer our fans uh, you know, to listen to the game online, or you can watch the game online. But our affiliation with the NFHS uh, has allowed us to do uh, some playoff games the last couple of years. And so uh, we've actually done, in three years, we've probably done a, uh, almost 10, 10 games in the playoffs. So, And George does color commentary for these games. He does color commentary. It's a great deal of fun. There's some people waving at him as they're heading out the door here. At any rate, well, listen, this has been great. I thank you so much. Doug, again, I appreciate you putting this together and uh, keeping uh, uh, Ludlow's name out there, and um, I hope we can do it again. Well, I hope so. I hope we can get you and Denny together and just kind of let me step out of the way and let you two go because you feed off each other. It's great stuff. <laughs> well, we, we worked together for, for 16 years, so we uh, we have a good, uh, good feel for one another. And, uh, you know, the last year and a half we, we did it together. Uh, after uh, Lobo uh, retired, so um, just ha- had a blast. Uh, I know you asked Denny about it, and uh, it was never work, Doug. It was never work. I can believe it. If if you're doing something you love, it never is, and that's what George Colley. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Good to get to know you, and I thank you for sitting down with us. Thank you. All right, sir. Take care. Right now, we're going to Irvington, Kentucky, and talk to America's folkologist. And my buddy, Dick Frymeyer. Mr. Frymeyer, how you doing? I'm pretty good for an old plug this morning. Uh, I'm glad to have you. I'm sorry about last week, but the emergency came up. I think what happened was uh, um, poor old Bobo, I think I gave him too much of that Viagra. Mm-hmm. 
I had to go out there early Friday morning. I stayed out there for an hour and a half, but he's all right. Why did you have to be there? Well, the, 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 my friend called me. He said, I'm afraid he's going to die. I said, this rooster's wild. He's, and he's worrying that hen to death. And I said, oh, my gosh. I told him, I said, won't you separate him? He said, I'm afraid to. Probably you gave the rooster Viagra. Yeah, well, I crushed it up real fine. Uh, I've why, done this why? before. But why? Well, I thought maybe he'd lost his vitality, you know, all these advertisements and all. So finally, I just called the daggone company. Uh-huh. I said, what about this? He said, you're not supposed to give it to a chicken. I said, I've already done that. <laughs> but, you know, I said, they said, why'd you want to do it? I explained to them. I said, she's got a new hen, and uh, I'm wanting that hen to lay some eggs. And I want to be sure to be fertilized. And sure enough, this week, she's laid three eggs. Uh-huh. So I went out there yesterday afternoon and got the football and... And, of course, I don't, I don't know what I'll try that Viagra anymore on Bobo because I'm afraid to kill him. Yeah. But I didn't give him too much. I know that. <laughs> but the company said they never, that's never been tried before on a chicken. <laughs> I said, well, a lot of things haven't been tried that I try. Let me tell you that right now. <laughs> Boy, we are having fun now. One eight hundred five seven two eight two five five. Your favorite person who never lived. What would you like to ask him? Choo Choo had a good had a good thing. He would ask Superman, "How do you afford to leave all those clothes around in phone booths?" That makes sense. It makes sense to Choo Choo. If it does Choo Choo, it makes sense to me. Then you know what I need to do? I need to do something about the new vegetables. I haven't touched on that in a long time. Uh, you know, I'm talking about the vegetables that came along in the last few years that we nobody ever heard of until recently. Zucchini. No, you know, zucchini, what, 1956? Invented in 1956, yeah. Somebody thought you could cook them and make them taste good. Have I asked somebody for a recipe... For zucchini, they give you a recipe and then they say, and you can't even taste the zucchini. Folks, you're listening to the prologue here on America's Web Radio. My name's Doug Dahlgren. I want to thank George Crowley for these wonderful outtakes from past Ludlow Port shows. And I want you to know we're going to be back after these short messages for more of Zipping Through Georgia with Memories of Ludlow Porch. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government as well as those involved in legal cases have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? 
Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we are back. We're here at the Blue Ribbon Grill in Tucker, Georgia. We've been having a great time this afternoon. We've been talking about Ludlow Porch. And those of you who did not get to hear Ludlow when he was on the air, all I can tell you is you missed out. Uh, he was an icon. He was a wonder. And he was a talented man that just the world can't really replace him, I don't believe. I've got sitting here with me uh, Ludlow's wife, Nancy Hansen. And if I hadn't said it already this afternoon, Ludlow Porch was the name he took on. He took it on before he became a radio star. His name was Bobby Hansen. And we've got Nancy here with us. Nancy, how are you, sir? I'm great, Doug. How are you doing? Wonderful. I am so proud that you came down here to be a part of this. Well, thank you. I'm so glad that I did. I've had a great time. I've met some wackos that I've known for years, and I've met some wackos that I made friends with just today. So it's been really nice. The people who knew Ludlow are special, kind of like he was. (laughs) And uh, it's so great. I got to meet Denny and George today. And when the two of them got together up here and were talking, it was amazing, is all you can say. It is amazing. And, you know, they were, it's, it's hard to explain, radio people, as you know well, are a different breed. And for Ludlow to find not one but two producers with whom he was in sync every day of the week was just amazing. And they played off of each other. As you can tell, Denny and George both have their own great senses of humor. And for Ludlow to be able to work with them was just a joy. He had to have been, uh, I don't know how you could look at him uh, while you're working and, and not just fall apart. Because uh, everything he did was straight-faced, and it just uh, he just had a good time with what he was doing. Well, that's very true, but and that made Denny and George have a good time, and that made his listeners have a good time. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I was trying to get from them the, uh, the wackos how they were able to uh, screen people calling in, whether you knew you were going to get in trouble or not. Yeah, well, of course, we did have most of the time. We had the six-second delay, which was very, very helpful. But there were, you know, those occasions when it might not be working, but they didn't tell people about that. But uh, that's another thing about a producer. They've got to have that sixth sense about, is this person for real? And, you know, even then, uh, they say, hey, Lud, I want to tell a joke. And Lud would say, is this a clean joke? Well, sometimes people don't know what means clean and what doesn't mean clean. And so he finally got to the point where instead of asking that, he would say, is this a joke you could tell your preacher? <laughs> and that helps screen him a little better. Today, that depends on what church you go to. Boy, isn't that the truth. <laughs> oh, um, what was he like at home when he wasn't in persona? <laughs> oh, he was he was really the same person that you heard on the radio he used to say that that microphone is a mirror and you can't hide from people and uh he was kind he was funny i tell people that if i woke up in the middle of the night to go use the restroom i'd come back and if he was awake i'd say please don't say anything funny i want to go back to sleep (laughs) you know but he would and it was 
it never ceased to be so spontaneous. And, you know, I find intelligence in a man very, very attractive. And to me, to have that kind of wit means that you're highly intelligent. And he was. He really was. Uh, very few people know he had two law degrees. I saw that. And, you know, and so he had a mind uh, like a steel trap. He never forgot trivia. I want to tell you, Doug, because a lot of people do know that Ludlow was known for his trivia. It's how he got into radio. But he would sit down with a legal pad in our living room, and he'd look at me and he'd say, name a topic. I'd say, okay, horses. He'd say, all right, name another one. I'd say, okay, music. And then he'd ask me to name a third one, and I'd say, mm, vegetables. And he would sit there and write the trivia questions from those topics. And, of course, he knew the answers. But but he never, he used to tease that his computer was an old Mussolini. And that was his model, Mussolini. And uh, he never used a computer, didn't know how to turn it on. But he would sit and write all of those uh, trivia questions and know all the answers. And, of course, one of the things I miss is how he could tell me about the history of Hollywood stars, of movies. He went so far back in his love of movies he was literally a little boy on his mama's shoulders when they had the premiere of gone with the wind and it just had him hooked he he loved the westerns as you know uh and then you know that time period it was before i moved to georgia but that time period when so many of the hollywood stars came to atlanta they were doing theater or stage or they were here in some capacity and they were always booked on the ludlow port show so the people he met is just an incredible list of stars Mm. And he knew how to handle people. I mean, people were at ease with him. <laughs> yes, and you know, there were some that just absolutely adored him, and then there were others that he didn't quite click with, shall we say. I don't know if I need to go there again or not, but nobody knows exactly what happened with Lee Majors, but that's got to be a good story. Well, it, it is, and, and very, very briefly, you know, uh, Lee didn't want to be on the radio. And by golly, if you don't want to be on, and, you know, Lee said something, well, how did your... How did you arrange this? And Little said, I didn't. You know, it was my people and your people. And if you don't want to be here, there's the door. And he took it. And the sad thing was they were broadcasting at that time from one of the malls. It was a remote broadcast. And there were children gathered to see the $6 million, $6 million man. man. And he ignored them. And, and that was another thing. And I'll, I'll tell you another story, Doug. Ludlow hated snakes. Hated snakes. And he had talked about this on the radio. And again, broadcasting from the mall. And a man came up after the show was over. And he said, uh, Lud, guess what I got in this bag? I got my pet snake. And Ludlow said, all right, what are you doing here with it? And he said, well, I heard you were afraid of snakes. He said, no, no, you misunderstood. I said I hated them. I didn't say I was afraid of them. And if you don't get out of here, I'm going to decapitate your snake. And kick your fanny out the door. That's that's Ludlow. Oh, you know what else, Doug? He always said, never mistake kindness for weakness. Exactly. I've heard that from George earlier. Yes, yes. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, snakes, hand grenades, and tornadoes. Yeah. Don't have any use for them. There you go. So, see, we have that in common. Yeah, that's but, right. <laughs> that, that will work. When, when uh, the day was over with and, and he came in... Um, did he ever discuss what he had on the radio that day with you, or, or did he expect you to have listened? Uh, he discussed it very rarely. 
when those three hours were over, A, he was exhausted. He had given his all for three hours. And it would, would make people so mad. and say, well, you only work three hours a day. <laughs> but he felt that he'd given his all in that three hours. He'd said everything he had to say, and it was, it was pretty much over. Now, I might say, hey, I heard you say such and such on the radio today. you know. But, but basically, it was pretty much over, and he was thinking about the next day. Mm-hmm. He had another three hours. Uh, there was a person, and I honestly don't know who this was. But there was a person that he worked with who, who made that comment, oh, you only work three hours a day, what's, what's the big deal? Lud said, hey, I'm going to be out next Thursday, why don't you fill in for me? Mm-hmm. And that poor person couldn't fill ten minutes of, of talk on the radio. It's, it's a tough job. Just a little bit, uh, I don't even want to go there because it's not a fair comparison, but I work one hour a week. Mm-hmm. And you can ask the lady sitting right over there. It's not like a conversation. You're listening to that person. You're trying to make them sound as good as you possibly can. Right. Trying to get what you want to get out. It's hard work. <laughs> and to do it for three hours, I can't even imagine. <laughs> and, again, that, that just brings to mind so many stories. He had on uh, Edward R. Murrow, and he was so excited to be interviewing him. He could get nothing but one-word answers. <laughs> and after the first... 15 minutes, he said, you know, it's been great having you on. Thank you so much. He just, it wouldn't go anywhere. Wouldn't go anywhere. Those are the worst. <laughs> they really are. When you, ask, you ask a nicely put together question, they go, yep. Yep. And then that's, you know, that's it. But fortunately, writers, that's that's a good thing. I interview mainly writers, and they are wordsmiths. Mm-hmm. So they've got usually a lot to say. Yes, that, that does. And, you know, Ludlow... Uh, Obviously published 12, 13 books, but thought of himself first as a radio talk show host. And second of all, as a humorist, he, there was nothing he enjoyed more than getting up in front of an audience and, and doing his humor. That was just one of his favorite things. Probably writing was his least favorite. Well, he was so good at the radio. And again, like we said, picking out who to talk to, who the wackos would be. Uh, and now there were two guys at least... Uh, I guessed wrong. I had heard that Homer Southwell was uh, was Lewis, mm-hmm. but I guess that was not correct. You know, I, I hope I'm right in that again. That was before I came into to Ludlow's world, and uh, you know, you might be right, Doug. I'm I'm really not sure. There was supposedly a character that Lewis played, but it wasn't that often. I know there was, and and you might be right. A southerner who hated Yankees. So okay, that, that well, would, uh, that makes sense, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that works out. I got to be around Lewis quite a bit because um, with what I did for a living, uh, he always was a speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I got to see more of him, frankly, than I did Ludlow. Mm-hmm. But it seems like from what I've learned about Ludlow and having been around Lewis, that they were two peas in a pot. They were. Uh, you know, there didn't need to be anybody else in the room but those two, and it would just be the funniest thing. And, you know, Lewis, uh, Lewis had called Ludlow at, you know, 11.55 in the morning and said, i got to have a book title by noon. And Ludlow named... Uh, if love were oil, if love were oil, I'd be a court low. You know, uh, my daddy's a pistol, and I'm a son of a gun. You know, so Ludlow had to come up with those real quick. And then Lewis would say, "Well, if you can't steal from your brother, who can you steal from?" <laughs> well, I wasn't stealing. You asked for it. That's right. But there were times he didn't ask. <laughs> but again, this has been so enlightening to me. I wanted to do it. And yet, learning what I've learned has just been amazing. And uh, getting to meet these people has just been a thrill of a lifetime. And I thank you so much 
for doing this. Now, you and he were married in what? You told me 96? 96. 96. I had moved to Georgia. I was a single parent with a son, and I was never, ever getting married again. And God said, watch this. Yep. And, of course, he had been widowed. And, uh, you know, just uh, men are different than women in that they need a caretaker, to be very honest, or at least Ludlow did. And I was willing to step into that role, and it was the time of my life. He, uh, you know, we used to do group travel. Yep. And we went to places I never thought I would see in my life, and it was amazing. Uh, and, of course, he had that beautiful home in the mountains, and, and I say that, you know, Ludlow just took me to the mountaintop, literally and figuratively, and it was a wonderful life. I want to thank you, Doug, for what you did here today at the Blue Ribbon Grill. It was just Bless wonderful. Well, thank you. It was it was a labor of love. I won't say I didn't work at it, but I tell you what, I loved every minute of it. Good. And uh, I feel like I knew him. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the thing. And, and getting to know you, getting to know uh, George and Denny, it's just an honor. Well, and, thank you. And I get to hear him talk. Uh, Emery, get to listen to Emery next weekend. There you go. He is a mess. Oh, Emery, I just adore Emery. I really do. And I tell you, when I go out with Emery and Judy, and the three of us just laugh and talk and carry on and, and have a big time. Uh, Emery's humor has kind of sort of replaced Ludlow's humor in my life. You know, uh, every now and then i got to have a dose of Emery. So, uh, again, I just appreciate you bringing all of us together. Thank you. I, pr- I appreciate you coming in. And you'll have to listen to this program next week when it plays. I look forward to Turn it. him loose for 15 minutes and it's a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. You can't ever turn Emory loose. Oh, well, I found that out. <laughs> Listen, folks, we again, we are here with Nancy Hansen. We're at the Blue Ribbon Grill in Tucker, Georgia. We've had a great time today reminiscing and zipping through memories of Ludlow Porch. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for being on the prologue with me today. And, folks, I hope you'll listen in next week. We'll be back with another writer. Have a great weekend. And between now and then, you do me a favor. Whatever else you do today, you find somebody to be nice to. Up on my pillow, hold your warm and tender body close to mine. You're listening to America's Web Radio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.